It is said that you could tell the age of a tree by what? The rings. Yes, that if you look at the rings of a tree, uh, you can tell how many years uh, of age it is. I don't know how scientifically true that is, but we all kind of believed it. Uh, kind of weird to think about, isn't it? Hey, I wonder how old that tree is. Let's cut it down to find out, right? <laughs> anyway, I have a theory. It's not about trees. It's about parents. Uh, you can tell how old parents are by the Disney movies that they watch with their children. What era of Disney movies were they watching and remembering with their children growing up? As our kids were growing up, one of the things we loved to do is we would buy an ornament for each of our four children that somehow reflected that year. Something about that year that we, uh, we remembered about them, something they did, something they loved. And oftentimes... It was a Disney movie. Now let me ask, how many of you have an ornament of something to do with Frozen on your tree? Go ahead, you can be, you don't have to be shy. Some Frozen folks, some people are like, yeah, yeah, kind of me. Um, well, as we gathered around the tree this year, uh, it's a joy to kind of remember the years gone past. It's a, it's a joy to go through the ornaments. Isn't it true with you? You pull it out and say, ah, I remember this. Or, or look at the way you look like back in this picture. Uh, even some of the ornaments I love, like Katie and my uh, picture on our honeymoon, the kids are like, oh, gross. Do we need to put that up again? Really? I'm like, come on, it's great. That's like 300 pounds ago. That was great. Don't even recognize you. Well, this year, uh, as Jesse, our oldest, who will be 25 this month, pulled out Princess Jasmine. Uh, Princess Jasmine uh, of the fame story, Aladdin, the, the Disney movie. And I remember how important that was to her a long time ago. Aladdin, interesting movie. Uh, in there, you have this genie. Uh, the genie's voice is the late Robin Williams. And he is going to describe to us what genies do. And as he comes out, he says that he has phenomenal cosmic power. In an itty-bitty living space, I heard someone say it, phenomenal cosmic power in an itty-bitty living space. Well, the prophet Isaiah, some 700 years before the birth of Jesus, would say that a child would be born. A child would be born, and listen to the description that Isaiah says. This child who was going to come and be born, he would be the wonderful counselor, meaning that this one would know all things. He wouldn't have to ask anyone about life and, and how to do things. He's a wonderful counselor. But there's more. This one who has come, he is, he's mighty God, El Gabor, the one who creates the universe, the one who holds all things together. He would be the everlasting father. And he would be the prince of peace, Shar Shalom, the one who would bring peace to our, our crazy, uh, messed up, broken world. So you have Isaiah 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And then on the day that Jesus was born, you have the angel of the Lord himself coming to earth and, and coming to those shepherds. And he is going to be declaring this good news. He says, today, today a savior is born. And this savior is name is Jesus. And he is the Christ. He's the anointed one. He is the Messiah to come. He's the one He's the one we've been waiting for. He's, he's the one we've been longing for. 
He's the one who's going to be delivering us. This is the Christ. But it's more. They said he is the Lord. He's the coming king to rule us. He's the coming king to to defeat all of our enemies. He's the coming king who will be the prince of peace. And then they were said, hey, here's a sign. You're going to go and hear this great, big, huge, bold proclamation. And by the way, you're going to go. Here's a sign to you. You're going to go finding, lying in a manger, this little bitty baby wrapped in swaddling cloth, lying right there in the manger. Phenomenal cosmic power in an itty-bitty living space right there in the gospel. I wonder about those shepherds. I wonder how underwhelmed they were at the sight of this. They had such big, grandiose words. And now, really? Have you ever thought that about Jesus? Ever thought that about Christmas time? All this hype? All this stuff? And really? You see, but the good news of who Jesus really is is under close examination, this child lying in a manger, this little one wrapped in swaddling cloth, will produce great joy. Great joy if you see him for who he really is. Great joy if you know him for what he's really done. And great joy when he is your Lord and Savior. Let's look to these announcements, both from the angel of the Lord first in Luke 2. In Luke 2, we're going to pick up in verse 11 and 12 in the middle of this announcement that was given to the shepherds. And then we'll turn back to the prophet Isaiah. We'll turn back 700 years or several hundred pages uh, to what Isaiah says about this boy. But let's hear God's word together because these words were breathed by the Holy Spirit himself, living and active for you and for me. The angel of the Lord said this in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. You know that they had to be thinking when they heard that of these words back in Isaiah. Listen to how similar they sound. Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let us pray together. Father God, what an incredible declaration. The people who had been waiting for so long and in such darkness And all of a sudden to hear the angel of the Lord declare the most amazing, the most good news that has ever been proclaimed. That that day was born a savior. That day was born the anointed one, the Messiah, Christ. That day our king 
our Lord had arrived. And Father God, we thank you for the significance of that day and what it means for our lives today. And God, now we ask because you would love us enough in the midst of our sin and depravity to send your most beloved son to come and deliver us, to come and to rescue us, to come and to provide life for us. And and because you love us that deeply and because you love us that profoundly, we boldly ask in the name of your son, Jesus, to come and to, to be Emmanuel, God with us in spirit. To God that you would be pleased to speak through a a broken and a nervous and an anxious sinner like me. That God, that you would give us ears to hear the voice of the one who is called mighty God. That you would give us minds to understand the the one who came to be the the prince of peace. The God that you would so lovingly be with us that there would not be one heart here that doesn't embrace you as Lord and as Savior. And God, would you be with us in such a grace-filled way, such a loving way, in such a truthful way, in such a profound way that, that when we walk out of here, we would walk out of here in obedience and honor to the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. And God, I pray that the things that I say that are wrong or just my opinion May those things fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, would you use those things to make us more like your son, our savior? And it's in his holy name, the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. In your bulletin, you'll find an outline if you want to follow along with me this morning. We only have two points that we're going to be unpacking this morning. And the first one is this. This this declaration of the angel of the Lord and what we heard about Isaiah tells us that that Jesus is the Christ. And again, this is not Jesus' last name. I mean, so many times this title of Jesus is given with his name that people might think Jesus Christ, first name, last name, Jeff, Jakes. No, the title Christ is, is was what was given to him. And at the time they would know this is the anointed one. This is the Messiah. This is Jesus is the Christ. He is the promised king who has come to deliver us. He's come for us to to set us free. It was the angel of the Lord who announced that Jesus was the Christ, or in the Greek, Christos, this this Messiah, that he did come to, to finally deliver us. It's basically this. This is incredible. All the promises of the Old Testament, all that they hoped for, all that they longed for, all that they still needed, all that they cried out and said, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, had finally arrived. This is it. This is the one. I mean, it's so significant that Scripture says that he would come at the fullness of time. That time itself would be hinged on the Christ arriving. That everything in heaven and earth would turn because this baby has finally come. I can't help but think about the shepherds. As I was studying this and I, I had the text out and I was looking through what it really said, I, I thought about those shepherds. I, I put myself in their sandals and I, I thought about what it must have been out like out in the field to see the glory of the angel of the Lord, to hear this announcement, this long-awaited announcement, and to be told, this will be a sign. Now go and go and what you're going to do is you're going to find this little bitty baby wrapped in swaddling cloth 
lying in a manger. I would imagine they're asking, really? Imagine they would get there and say, uh, what kind of savior king is this? What can this little fella deliver us from? Can this guy really deliver us from Rome? He can really set us free. They would probably say, is this really like Isaiah promised? This is mighty God. This is El Gabor. This is the one who created and sustains all things. Is this really the Christ? This is the anointed one? This is the Messiah? Should he be a little bigger? Don't you think he should be a little bit better? Don't you think he should be a little bit mightier? I mean, look at him. He's got swaddling cloth, for goodness sake. Look at him. He's helpless. Look at his mother. She's a teenager. Look at, look at the carpenter that's standing over there. Really? This is the Christ? This is the one who's come to deliver us? you got to be kidding me. This week, I did that which everybody wants to do during the Christmas season. Had a plumber in the house. Uh, we had a leak in our kitchen sink, and uh, I somehow couldn't fix it. Yep, it's a leak. Call a plumber. All right. And so as he was coming in the house, again, we were just in the midst of putting up Christmas. And uh, by the way, are you amazed at how much Christmas stuff you have? I mean, like I have one attic space, Christmas. And so you're going to come in the back, in the, the side door. I was getting him through, and you're going to step over some wreaths, and you step over some decorations and boxes. It wasn't quite that bad, but it really was stuff all over the place. And so I started making small talk, say, hey, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry that we haven't finalized this. The house is kind of messy. Have you finished putting up Christmas decorations at your house yet? And he said, we don't celebrate Christmas. And the pastor said, oh, really? (laughs) Just kidding. Don't celebrate Christmas. So what are you thinking? Probably what I was thinking. Hmm, I wonder why. And you guys know me. I'm not shy to ask. So as he began to work, I said, hey, if you don't mind, and I don't mean to be rude, and I'm really not trying to get into your business, but I'd kind of like to know, why, why don't you celebrate Christmas? I thought, you know, is he an atheist? He just doesn't believe in God? Or I started getting the suspicion that it was something to do with his religion. And sure enough, he said, well, I, I don't celebrate Christmas because I'm a Jehovah Witness. I said, ah, Yeah. I know that Jehovah Witnesses, well, they they don't celebrate Christmas. Matter of fact, they don't celebrate birthdays. And it's not that they celebrate or don't celebrate Christmas. What's really important, what's really important is the reality is how they see Jesus. You see, because it's completely different the way they see Jesus and the way Jesus is described in the Bible. Because the Jehovah Witnesses taught that Jesus is a created being like you and me. He's not eternal. He wasn't always like God. He was created. And he's not this. He is not mighty God. He's not El Gabor. Only El Gabor is the father and only he creates all things. So he had a different view of who this Messiah was. I got to tell you the truth that it bothered me. It angered me because they weren't worshiping Jesus in spirit and truth. He's a nice man, but been deceived. I mean, Jesus wasn't the Christ. The, the Christ as Bible talked about him being the Christ. He wasn't the deliverer as, as the Bible tells us he was the deliverer. He, he was less. He wasn't the part of the triune God. He wasn't eternal. He was less. 
I remember going back and pulling a book off my shelf uh, later on and, and reading again about the founding of Jehovah Witnesses and reading again of, of, of this belief system and reading again of, of what it is they believe. And you know what? I felt like I was oppressed. I felt like I was being attacked. I mean, it was, it was, it was awful. It was dark because they took so much truth of the Bible and they, they got so close and, and they said so many things that, that man, yeah, 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 oh, wrong. And went off of what was the Bible really teaching of who he was. I wonder if those shepherds say, who is this Christ? You see, if Jesus came, listen to this. If Jesus came to rescue us from the Romans, we would need a certain mighty God to rescue us from the Romans. We would need one who was strong, who could really wield a sword. We wouldn't one who could gather an army. If he came to rescue us from the Romans. But that was never Jesus' ultimate mission. Jesus came as the Christ. He came as a deliverer to rescue us, ready for this, from ourselves. To rescue us from being alienated from his father. His mission was to come and to seek and to save those who were weak. To come and to find those who were broken. To come and to find those who were alienated. To come and find those who were helpless. And they didn't even know it. So how would the Christ come? To rescue the weak. Listen, to rescue the weak. El Gabor, God Almighty, came in weakness. To rescue the filthy. El Gabor was placed in a filthy feeding trough. To rescue those who are Filthy in rags and naked apart from Christ, he came to be wrapped in swaddling cloth so that one day, through his work and righteousness, we could be wrapped in the garments of God so that we could be wrapped in his righteousness. You see, in Jesus, you have this phenomenal cosmic power, El Gabor, mighty God, in an itty-bitty living space to find us to relate to us, and to rescue us. The prophet Zechariah in Zechariah 9.9, we often look at this passage around Easter time. It's Easter, the week before Palm Sunday, where we see Jesus coming in lowly and humble on a donkey. And really, we have to realize that that wasn't just that one week before his crucifixion, that our king came humbly. He lived lowly. Our king is gentle and meek. This is mighty God. His name is Jesus. He came in those swaddling cloths. He was placed in that manger so that we could be delivered to a holy God. Let me say it this way. He came in our weakness. So no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter where you've been, no matter how dark it is and how dark it was, Jesus came lowly for you and for me. This mighty king would empty himself. This mighty king would would come to rescue. And the only way for him to rescue us is to be gentle, lowly, accessible, humble. That is the Christ. That is the king. That is your mighty God who loves you and has come to rescue you. But there's more. 
Jesus is not only the Christ, he's the Lord. I mean, uh, again, the one who rules over us, the promised king who rules over us. And being the Lord or being a king, a a good king would do this. A, A good king would, for his people, he would kill their enemies. For his people, he would destroy that which would threaten their well-being. He, he would provide safety. He would provide peace. And, and this is why you want a king with a sword in his fist. This is why you want a king who could make sure that could provide peace for you on earth. That's what a king should do. Defeat his enemies. The shepherds must have come and peered and said, This is the Lord. This is the Prince of Peace. This is the one who's going to defeat our enemies? All right. You got to see this. This is really cool. In the year 9 BC, in a northern Turkey, a northern town in Turkey named Perin, this inscription was found. It was dated 9 BC. And it's kind of wordy. And I want to read it to you. Now remember, get this in your mindset. This was before about nine or so years before Jesus' arrival. It says this. Whereas the province which has ordered the whole of our life, showing concern and zeal, has ordained the most perfect consummation for human life by giving to it Augustus, by filling him with virtue for doing the work of a benefactor among men, and by sending in him, as it were, a savior for us. And those who come after us to make war to cease, to create order everywhere. And whereas the birthday of the God Augustus was the beginning for the world of the glad tidings that have come to men through him. Sound familiar? I mean... Peace on earth, goodwill to men, glad tidings. I got good news. Here's what they're saying. Caesar Augustus has come. And because Caesar Augustus has come, in his reign we have Pax Romana. We have the peace of Rome. And there is peace. God, the gods, this God, Augustus is our savior. And here is Jesus lying in swaddling cloth in the manger, having the angel of the Lord saying, no, no, Caesar Augustus, man. That's not the king. That's not the Lord. That's not the peace. Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, is not what we long for. It's a peace with a holy God, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's wrapped in swaddling cloth, and he's in that filthy feeding trough named Jesus. You see, Jesus came to bring us not peace of Rome, but the peace of heaven. Peace of heaven on earth, and And he did it not with a sword in his fist, but listen, he did it with the love in his heart. This king conquers through love. This king conquers through sacrifice. This king conquers by emptying himself for you. This king came to reign and rule over us with grace and and mercy and truth and life. Jesus did. He, He conquered our enemies of sin and death. He, he would conquer sin. How did he conquer sin? By becoming our sin. Jesus dealt with yours and my sin issue by, by becoming sin on the cross, by absorbing the wrath of God. Jesus conquered death by, by dying in our place. 
by being resurrected and giving us hope beyond the grave. Jesus not only conquered our our enemies, he, he came to conquer and subdue you and me with love and with grace and with mercy by loving us the way he does, by laying his life down for those whom he loved. Jesus, Jesus our Lord, who now reigns and rules over us with love and grace and mercy. This week as I was reading God's word, I was in Hosea. I'm sure you were as well. Hosea 10.3. And I read this as I was preparing this sermon. I read this as, as we come to a close. And it really struck me as how much way back when did the people feel like they do now. It says this, Hosea 10.3. For now they will say, we have no king. For we do not fear the Lord. And a king, what can he do for us? A king, what can he do for us? And maybe some of you are saying, Jesus, lying in a manger, a Christ, a Lord, what can he do for me? Let me tell you what this king can do for you. This king can wash you as white as snow. This, this king can, can come and he could take your sin and he could separate it as far as the east is from the west. This king could take you who, who by nature, like me, were, were children of wrath. This king could make you a joint heir with him in his father's kingdom. This king could make you and me lavish, beloved children of God. This king will love us and cleanse us and wrap his arms around us. This king will set us free. This king will make us alive. Uh, This king can take our lives and make them fruitful for the kingdom of God. What can this king do for you and me? He can give us life and meaning like nothing else can. Forgiveness and wholeness like nothing else can. This is Jesus. He is the Christ. This is Jesus. He is the Lord. This is Jesus. He is the Savior. This is Jesus. He's wrapped in swaddling cloth. And he's lying in a manger saying, really? This is it? Yes, he came that low. Listen, he came that low to lift us this high. He came that low to rescue us. Phenomenal cosmic power. Ultimate power. El Gabor, God Almighty, had to come in an itty-bitty living space to rescue us. Be overjoyed. Be overjoyed he was willing to go so low so that we could be so high. I'm done, but there's one more thing I want to tell you. No charge. If I had done this sermon better, I would have had him connected already. El Gabor, mighty God. Never in Scripture, nowhere in Scripture is, is that title ever given to man. I mean, he's El Shaddai, a warrior god, uh, El Gabor, uh, Elohim. I mean, that's the name of God, and those never given to man. El Gabor, never. Interesting, Par Shalom, the Prince of Peace, always given to man. Never given to God. God doesn't have the title Prince. He has the title King, except for in one, Jesus Jesus, you have one who is both mighty God and the Prince of Peace. 
one who's both fully God and fully man, to be Christ, Lord, Savior for us. Let us pray. Father, I confess that there's so many times where I hear the Christmas story and see the baby Jesus depicted in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And I want to say, really, that's the Christ? That's the Savior of the world? That's the Lord? Oh, God, forgive me. Forgive me how I live my life uh, forgetful that you, Jesus, have come to purchase our lives. You've come to reign and rule over us as a, as a loving, everlasting Father and King. And Father, you would love us to the depths by sending your Son who would go just so low to wrap his arms around us sinners so that we could taste and know the depth of your love. Father, forgive us for, for being so obtuse to your love. Forgive us for being so cold at times. And God, I, I pray that the reality that was promised by Isaiah, that one would come, a child would be given to us, and that he is the wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. He is the, the Prince of Peace. He is the Christ. He is the Lord. And may each one of us be able to say, and he is my Savior, and he's my King, and he's my God, because he became my sin. He died my death so I could live his life and be free. And Father, I pray that there's one here this morning who's yet to embrace Christ as Savior. This may be entertained by the story, but not transformed by the reality that today would be the day. And for the rest of us, for the rest of us who, who know the joy that, that mighty God has come to rescue, that the Prince of Peace has come to give us peace with a holy God, may our lives forever reflect that reality. God, come and reign and rule over us in love again this morning, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.